0: This is Point of No Return, The Addiction Podcast, sponsored by Narcanon Suncoast.
1: Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is episode number two. Hi, Jason. Hello, Joni. I got Jason Good here with me. My name is Joni Siegel. And if you didn't catch podcast number one, you need to be sure and go back and listen to that one because it's all about Jason's story. Now, what I was telling Jason that um, was of interest to me, last week, I went to the graduation ceremony at Narcanon Suncoast, and there was a beautiful, and I do mean beautiful, young woman there who had graduated the program, and she's the one, I think you told me off the air last week, that actually died.
0: Yeah, she was actually two weeks before she came into the program, she had actually overdosed and died from yeah. fentanyl-laced heroin. And so, that I mean, that's how close she came to like a that's it on it. Like you have no more shots at getting clean. And she had been dead for 20 minutes and they had kept hitting her with Narcan, CPR, everything they could do. And then she just finally came to, thank God.
1: And that was her wake-up call.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Which would be anybody's wake-up call.
0: You'd think so. Yeah. You would. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, that... For some people, that wouldn't be a wake-up call. You know, there's scary. there's a variety of addict that once they die and they come back and they get treated medically, they'll just go right back out.
1: Wow. But she did her – how did she then come to Narcanon? I don't remember what she said about that. How did that happen?
0: Well, she, when she was in the hospital and she woke up and her mother was there crying, holding her hand, saying, you've been dead for 20 minutes. I think it was a couple days later they found us. And, you know, within a day she had – arrived in very 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 rough shape
1: wow you know the the thing that stuck with me though she originally started on drugs because she had fibromyalgia
0: right so she had chronic chronic pain and neuropathy
1: right so so chronic pain now she's pain-free
0: yeah isn't that interesting
1: so how could that be i mean you know yeah, the knock program obviously handles drug addiction and gets the drugs out of the body and all of that. But how could that be?
0: Well, there's, there's a few ways that can happen, but I think that, I think that the answer to this requires me to kind of go back to the fact that, okay, so drugs are a solution to a problem. Right. Right. So we established that kind of, in what I was talking about last week is that I use cocaine because it solved a variety of problems for me. Now, Any addict uses drugs because whatever drug they're using is solving a problem for them. So a lot of opiate addicts, and this girl we're talking about was a heroin addict, Mm -hmm. a lot of opiate addicts start on medical drugs. You know, they have a condition that requires some sort of medical intervention to the doctors. That's that's pain medication. And so after a while of using pain medication, (laughs) it kind of turns against you. In a sense, a lot of medical interventions will turn against you and actually start causing more pronounced symptoms than you had to begin with. So at some degree, the pain medication was causing her more pain. So she went to something stronger, which was heroin, to dull that pain. So I always thought that was an interesting concept. And, and working with addicts, you know, for years and also working with people on psychiatric drugs, um, anti-anxiety pills, for instance. mm mm-hmm. You know, they'll take, they'll have anxiety, they'll go to the doctor, right? The doctor prescribes Xanax or Clonopin or Valium. Right. After a while, the medication stops handling the anxiety, but every time they take it, they get a panic attack or wow. they get an anxiety attack.
1: So then they have to take something else, something right. stronger.
0: Whatever it might be. Wow. And so that's where you get into like the self-medicating of, uh, of the symptoms, because after a while, your symptoms are completely out of control. And this one thing that your doctor said was going to work for you is no longer working. So there's this phenomenon that seems to happen at Narconon is that when people come in, a lot of them have medical problems. Mm-hmm. You know, they had sports injuries, they had some, what some you know back injuries, fibromyalgia, chronically painful conditions that turned off at some point during the program, and it's not something that is rare. I see it regularly. This girl, her fibromyalgia symptoms disappeared after i think it was halfway through the program when she got all the drugs out of her system and got completely cleaned out she realized that her neuropathy was no longer there wow now isn't that
1: interesting it's fascinating and i was reading on your blog today another story of a young man who started on Mm painkillers because he broke all these bones in his leg in a bicycle accident and that's kind of what made me think about it again you know, it starts oftentimes with some type of physical pain. Right. And the fact that the program not only gets people off the drugs, but also gets rid of the pain, that's that's pretty amazing.
0: Now, this gentleman, too, who uh, was mentioned in the blog, he uh, he had lost feeling, and I think it was his right hand.
1: Yeah, he said that. Lo- yeah, He
0: lost feeling all the way down to where his hand felt like pins and needles all the time. So he worked with his hands as a mechanic, and so he said... You know, I would have like a nail driven through my hand, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't know it. And someone would be like, "Hey, you're bleeding. You have a nail through your hand. You should probably go handle that." <laughs> yep. He would have no idea because he was so numb, right? From I think it was the uh, he had an accident or something. I can't remember specifically what caused the numbness, but I remember it was three weeks ago. I was standing out front of the reception area of the main building. He was sitting there, kind of looking shocked. Uh-huh. I was like, "Hey, how's it? How's it going? How's it going? <laughs> Everything okay? <laughs> Are you okay?" And he said, "You're never gonna believe this." And he, as he's talking to me, he's rubbing his fingertips. I said, "What's going on?" He said, "I can feel my hand again. Wow! I can. Feel, I mean, it, it used to feel like you know, numb and pins and needles, just regularly, like every day. And now I can. I, I'm feeling the tips of my fingers." I was like, what? "I could. <laughs> I couldn't believe that. That was that was extraordinary. I mean, this his hand had been numb for like a decade. Yeah." And wow. all of a sudden, he's feeling sensations he hasn't felt in a decade. Amazing. And so it, it's funny how, especially with, with pain medications, people have painful conditions that are so bad that they end up on heroin or whatever else, mm-hmm. the strongest thing available to handle the pain, and their pain is still so bad, and they come into the program, and they're nervous. They're telling me, like, I don't know how I'm going to come off pain medication because I've got a herniated disc in my back. I've got, you know, neuropathy throughout my body and my hands and my feet. I've got all these things. I don't know how I'm going to stay off it. And I say, well, I got it. Just let's see how things turn out. Right. And more often than not, once the, once the drugs are cleared out of the body, a lot of these conditions go away.
1: Right. Explain how that happens. How do, the, how do you get the drugs out of the body at Narconon? How do you do that?
0: So the way we do that in Narconon is we have something called a sauna detoxification process. And it's based on it's based on the fact that you know when you do drugs or you take any toxin and put it into the body, it gets stuck in the fat tissue. Mm-hmm. So like a person could do cocaine for three years, and three years later, and they can stop, and then three years after they stop, the cocaine is still in their system because. It's the residues get lodged in the fat tissue. It's kind of a protective mechanism that your body does. Any toxins that come in, your body doesn't want it to harm the rest of the system, so it, push it puts it in the fatty tissue. It's like a storage system. Yeah, so it can't get out and just like cause chaos in your body. And so after years and years of doing drugs, you build up large deposits of residues in your fat tissue. And those are the things that cause cravings. Mm. And it's interesting how it works. It's because like anytime you do any kind of physical activity – and your heart rate increases and you burn fat for energy, you re release those toxins back into the system, travel to the brain, also and you've got drug cravings. Right. So um, <laughs> we use this on a detoxification process that was developed by L. Ron Hubbard that gets all those drug residues out of the system. So what that does is it helps the person to, you know, be alleviated from their cravings, to clear their mind up, allow them to make logical decisions again. And at that point counseling can work. Because yeah. how can you counsel somebody that is gripping the bottom of his chair, yeah. thinking about drugs, yeah. and is full of anxiety and doesn't feel good physically. And is feeling the effect of taking drugs for you know five or ten years, and they're so clouded they don't know they really don't know what's going on. They feel yucky. They're not sleeping. Their energy levels are terrible. You can't you can't counsel somebody like that. And that was like the big. I think that was like the big part of traditional treatment that didn't work for me mm-hmm. was the fact that I was so clouded by drug use and I was having such bad cravings and I was so just out of it still, even though I had been six weeks, eight weeks clean at yeah. this point in time and I still didn't feel good. That's the part that's missing from other treatment treatment programs.
1: Interesting. Yeah, because I remember you telling me last week that after doing the sauna detox, you had such a win because you weren't like dreaming about cocaine and dreaming about drugs and, you know, thinking about it all the time.
0: Right. And also something interesting also occurred. Um, so when I was a kid at three years old, uh, I had I developed tics, like motor tics, like, tw- mm-hmm. like twitches, like they're mm-hmm. uncontrollable. So no one really knew what it was. And it was just like, oh, it's Jason being weird. You know, doing whatever weird thing that he's doing. And, you know, by the time I was, uh, I was 12, they're like out of control. It was, it was at the point where it was so noticeable. Like I would have like a motor tick every three to four seconds. So not only, you know, does that cause like a self-esteem issue in a little kid, you think and <laughs> and <it's a> self-confidence <laughs> issue in a little kid when like you're out, go- you're out in public with your parents and like other people are like staring at you. Um. It's unco- It's like physically uncomfortable. Right. Like, I would end the day like physically exhausted from all these like, involuntary muscle movements that were happening, and so by the time I was fourteen, my parents had brought me to a neurologist. Like, let's see, maybe there, maybe, there's some, maybe there's something wrong with my brain. And he looked at me for two seconds, like, "Oh, you have Tourette's syndrome. It's fine. Like tons of people have. it. It's no big deal. You just have to take antipsychotics." Okay. <laughs> yeah antipsychotic you have to take antipsychotics i was like i'm not psychotic he's like oh i get that we're using it off label so this is so basically we're going to take this drug and we're not going to use it for its intended purpose but we're going to give you this. it's going give you this and it's going to help alleviate the tics um okay sure it, it did for a little while mm-hmm. and then it would stop working and go back to the doctor say hey this was work great for a minute but now i'm back to square one i'm talking within a few months and now it's worse Mm -hmm. my symptoms are worse and so they just put me on a different one right and so i did this like medication shuffle for a long time and you know by the time i was in my early 20s you know i i mostly when i grew up i i mostly didn't take the medication more than i took it because it makes you feel terrible didn't work really well Mm -hmm. and i and it's funny because it was like the family physician that's, that's Prescribing this, I never, I've never seen a psychiatrist a day in my life to be prescribed antipsychotic medication that to be used off label. Wow! Uh, and so I grew up with this idea that I need this medication to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I didn't like taking it, when things got bad, I would take it to kind of take the edge off things. It would work for a couple weeks, and then I would feel so miserable, I'd stop taking it. So I had this idea that like if I want to function in life, I'm gonna have to kind of like cycle on and off these drugs. That also turned me into a complete zombie right. when I was on them. To, I had to take these drugs to survive. And so when I got to Narcanon, they're like, okay, so we're, you're not going to take these. I was like, what?
1: <laughs> oh, no. I was like,
0: you don't want to do that. No, I mean, you no, don't no. necessarily <laughs> want to do that. Um, and they said, no, look, just we're going to take – we're going we're to help – we're going to get a doctor to taper you off it. At this point, I hadn't been taking it very much, and I was like, "You don't need to taper me." It was like, I barely. i I barely take this stuff because when I do take it, I literally sit there and fall asleep. Any anytime I sit down, I'll, I'm out, mm-hmm. and I was in such a, like a groggy state. Like, you don't need to taper me. I'll just stop. So I stopped, and then here come here come the motor tics again. I'm like, okay, told you, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> they said, just um, okay, we're just gonna we're gonna bring get you in the sauna. Let's let's see what happens throughout the process. It's okay. I remember the first week, I'm like, okay, guys, seriously, I'm miserable. Like, this is, a, okay, this was, oh, this was fun, I tried. And they, they said, just trust us. I was like, okay, maybe these people know, know something I don't. And they had this, I didn't know this at the time, but they had this idea that if I were to run out all the drugs I had taken, I might find that it might be the drugs that are causing the symptoms after a while, because one of the, um, funny enough, one of the side effects of psychiatric medications are uncontrollable muscle movements.
1: Oh, wow!
0: Now, when it's really pronounced, it's something called tardive dyskinesia. Okay, which is characterized by its mostly like facial tics, like around the mouth, like a darting tongue thing, and so, and that's permanent. Like once you have that, there's you don't you can't turn that off. That's like brain damage from these medications. Wow, that's given a cute little name. So I didn't know they knew this, or they had this idea that the, the medication might actually be causing like the problem. And I've, I found that four weeks into the process that the ticks were slowly disappearing to where it was like, okay, I have them, but it's a kind of manageable, and most people probably don't notice it. Right. Unless I call attention to it. Right. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. And then through this process, I could feel... A lot of these drugs coming out of me Mm -hmm. because there's certain side effects that you get from psychiatric medication, and I they would turn on a little bit as they're coming out, it would like I would re experience having taken that drug for maybe 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And it was like a really odd sensation because one of the biggest side effects is like this doped out sensation, this doped out feeling, and like completely just out of it. And that would happen on and off throughout the day, Mm -hmm. um, a couple times while I was in the sauna.
1: Oh. And Did you sleep in the sauna?
0: I fell asleep once okay. and they're like knocking on the window like, hello, wake <laughs> up, please. Uh, no sleeping in the box. Right. It's okay. <laughs> Sorry. It's not my fault. And, it's uh, the drugs. It's the drugs coming out. And so at the end of the process, I noticed that, okay, I don't need to, to take these medications anymore because I'm not having those symptoms. Like everything kind of like undid itself. And I think it's because it's one of those situations where the drug was start to become the problem. Mm-hmm. Like the symptoms that I was using the drugs for were no longer the problem. It was the drug that had become my problem. And for this girl over in um, at Narcanon, the drug had become her problem. All these painkillers were actually exacerbating her pain.
1: It blows my mind. I mean, it just blows my mind when you look at all of the drugs that are advertised for fibromyalgia pain. Right. And here is a woman who gets rid of her fibromyalgia pain by coming off and detoxing the drugs that she has been taking for the fibro, it it, it it's such a no brainer.
0: It, it defies logic to it most does. people. It, that's
1: what I mean. It's it's kind of like duh. Yeah, <laughs> it defies logic, and and that was why you know, like I said, when I was looking at the blog and the and the kid who broke all the bones in his leg, you know, got started on opioids that way. And my and my guess is, as he goes to the program, oh, magical! Now he doesn't. His hand's not numb, and he doesn't have the pain from the accident. It's. Wow,
0: something that's inter- that's interesting about painkillers, and I, I always found this interesting about drugs in general so let's let's just use painkillers for this example I'm going to give. so okay. painkillers, opiate painkillers mimic um, a neurochemical in your brain, which are called endorphins. okay endorphins are your, like your natural painkillers, okay, so anytime you're under you're in uh, emotional pain or physical pain, your body releases endorphins to kind of dull it out. Now, when you start taking opiates, your brain can't determine the difference between your own endorphins and the painkiller, like the, the molecule of the painkillers. Okay. Because like, to your body, they're identical. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So, so the, then your
1: body quits making them because it's being bypassed basically by the drug.
0: Right. So anytime your body or your, let's say your brain thinks it has a surplus of a certain neurochemical, it stops producing it. So when a person consistently takes opiates, the body thinks it has such an overflow and surplus of endorphins that stops producing it. So when a person comes off opiates, the first thing that they feel is very heightened physical pain, very heightened emotional pain, and um, no no buffer between between them. It's just like it was raw, like unbridled pain. And through detoxing the body. And, you know, taking vitamins and taking naturally occurring substances, you can, you'll kickstart the production of endorphins again. And that's kind of what happens in sauna is that your body will slowly start to produce the neurochemicals that you're deficient in as far as painkillers go. Okay. And,
1: and I, sorry to cut you off, but back to withdraw, how does, what do you do in withdraw at Narcanon that helps people get through this pain initially?
0: Right. In withdrawal we do a couple different things. So first of all, there's, there's 24-hour medical supervision. So when okay. a person's coming off drugs, they're medically supervised by nurses 24 hours a day. They see a doctor within 24 hours of coming in. We do blood work. We check to make sure they're healthy. And then they have a withdrawal specialist with them 24 hours a day handling all the physical pain and all the emotional pain and all the discomfort that they're going to feel when coming off drugs. Now, there's two different things that we do. There's uh, physical techniques called assists. Okay, which help to alleviate the physical pain, the discomfort, the cramping legs, the anxiety, just the overall yucky sensations you are going to get coming off opiates. Right, that handles the physical side of it. Then we do other cognitive exercises that keep a person extroverted and out of their heads and not not sitting in. Oh my god, I don't feel good. This is terrible. I feel absolutely lousy. I don't, what am I doing here? I need drugs. I need to get out of here. We kept, we keep them engaged, right, and keep them out of their heads. We get them up and moving. We don't let them just sit and you know, rock and kick in a bed all day. Yeah. And then along with that, we give uh, nutrient protocols. There's specific nutrients that we give a person coming off drugs. Because when a person comes in on drugs, they're completely deficient nutritionally. Because when a, person, when a person's using drugs, their lifestyle is terrible. They're not eating. Right. They're not sleeping well. They're not taking care of themselves. And so they're super, super deficient.
1: Well, not to mention the fact that the drugs destroy things like B vitamin in the body. Right. So, you know, it's not only are you not taking B vitamins, it's it's also eating up anything you might have had to begin with. Right.
0: And part yeah. of the high off drugs is the fact that you're burning up such a rapid amount of these vitamins so quickly. That's part of the high that you get. I didn't know it's that. It's like, the, the, like Epic amount of vitamins and nutrients that's all of a sudden getting used up and used up and used up by the drugs when you get high. I
1: didn't know that. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> so we get, we give nutrient protocols which restore the body with all the nutrients that's deficient from because of the drugs. Um, okay. And so once we get a person eating, sleeping, keeping a regular schedule, and they're like physically like back. To a good operating state, then we get them in sauna.
1: Interesting. It's interesting that you say that on like nutrients and such because I I'm familiar with a doctor in the area who gets people off of psychiatric medication by providing them with pharmacy grade essential essential vitamins, minerals, and oils to you know basically put into the body what the drugs are taking out or what the drugs are supposed to be putting back sure. or, or what have you. Yeah, interesting.
0: But- because with uh, with psychiatric medication, you need when you take a person off psychiatric meds, you need to actually support the neurochemical systems that were affected by the drugs.
1: Because sometimes on some of those, if, if what I've heard is that if you cold turkey those, you can die if you're on a high dose.
0: It's very dangerous. Yes, you should never. One, you should never cold turkey a psychiatric med, right? Because there's so many different negative effects that could occur because of that secondly you don't ever want to come off a psychiatric med unless you're under the supervision of a doctor because that can be really really dangerous i mean i always found it i always found it odd that the number one side effect of antidepressants was severe depression
1: and suicidal tendencies and suicidal
0: tendencies yeah. so it's like <laughs>
1: I, I talked to a psychiatrist once she had been uh, a psychiatrist i think in the army and she had actually I th- she was discharged from the army because she got to the point where she wouldn't prescribe psych medications for the soldiers anymore. And she said, you know, the interesting thing about psychiatric medications is the one organ that they are supposed to address being the brain sure. is the is where the side effects happen. Right. So like like it for- And she said, for example, sometimes you're prescribed um, aspirin if you have a heart condition aspirin will help your heart but it can give you side effects in your stomach right but psychiatric medications produce the exact negative effect they're supposed to address which it's just it's insane when you think about it
0: it is and you know i get calls from families a lot that are interested in sending their son or daughter to the program Mm -hmm. or some family member and then they'll ask me well, how do you handle addiction? I'll give them all the various ways that Narconon handles addiction. And they'll say, well, what are you going to do for their depression? What are you going to do for their anxiety? What are you going to do for all their mental illnesses? And I said, look, the reason we don't use psychiatric drugs and we don't prescribe them to people when they come in the door is because you cannot accurately diagnose and treat a person for mental illness while they're under the influence of drugs. Because a drug addict appears mentally ill. Right. Because they have extreme ups and downs. They can get psychotic. They have severe depression. They have anxiety. They have all these different things that there's a diagnosis for, but it's 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 not it's related to their drug use. Right. And so I have to like actually – And when I tell parents this, it, it makes sense to them. They're like, oh, that, well, that actually does make sense. Because most rehabs you go to, two days in there, you're in front of a psychiatrist. Right. And they're saying, well – Okay, so you've got a mood disorder, you've got a sleep disorder, and an anxiety disorder. So and, I'm going
1: to prescribe this, that, and the other thing,
0: right? And along with the disease concept, we need to, they need to treat all that as a disease, right. With medication, and right. so once like in the door, you're diagnosed with all these things. So it's like it's it's almost like it's rattling. Because a doctor sits across from me and says, "Yeah, there's something majorly wrong with you. You right. know, you've got all these these mental illnesses and you've got all these disorders, and I need to put you on all these meds. And oh my God, we're going to get them to you in the next four hours. You got you got to start this because this is, and so you start to not only blame your disease of addiction for the reason why you do the things you do as an addict, but you also start to blame the fact, well, I'm mentally ill, right? So, and and Narcanon on it it defies logic to to treat someone psychiatrically who might not have psychiatric problems, so what we do is get the drug issue handled right now, I always tell parents, look after we get the drug issue handled, they handle the underlying causes of addiction, they get all the uh the drugs out of their system, you wanna treat them psychiatrically afterwards if they still if you still think they have like mental problems that's that's up to you. I can't tell you what to do on that regard.
1: I bet that doesn't happen very often, though, does it? It
0: doesn't, because a lot of these things clear up as a result of handling the drug addiction. You know, you get the drugs out of the system, Mm -hmm. and then you handle all the underlying causes. And a person who was, like, quote, unquote, mentally ill for a while doesn't appear that way anymore. Right. And so this just kind of follows the same chain of, like, a lot of things turn off. that person's been dealing with when they come and do the Narconon program, because there's a lot to be said about detoxification. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to be said about clearing the body out of all the things that have been put in there that have been like totally screwing a person's system up. Right. There's a lot to be said about, you know, handling underlying causes to things. Exactly. So, you know.
1: Someone who has migraines may act slightly mentally ill for the time when they are in extreme pain.
0: Right. So we should put them on antipsychotics.
1: Exactly. Even though what's really wrong is their head hurts right. so bad they want to take the top of it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's interesting how often I see medical conditions either turn off or become bearable to people that have spent their lifetimes medicating them as a result of just handling the physical body. And interesting.
1: Yeah. You know, I think when I think about Narcanon, and I've been you know familiar with Narcanon for about probably about forty years now. The the first key difference is the detox, mm-hmm. and one of the things I noticed at graduation, um, uh, Yvonne would mention how many people had gotten through withdrawal, and she would give the names and then ask if anybody wanted to share anything, not a single word. Then when she mentioned the five or six people who had finished the sauna program or the detox program, that was when there were a lot of originated wins because what what that meant to me was that's where the craving is handled. And I I think that then there's hope. Like now I get what I'm supposed to feel like. Like the gentleman sitting in front of me said, you lose your mind on drugs. And I feel like I got my mind back in the sauna. I mean, the things that they said just, it was amazing to me, but I noticed it not so much after withdrawal because a lot of, because they have been through that before, you know, and maybe this was a better withdrawal because of, you know, the 24 hour help and the, and the vitamins and everything. But the sauna program is where I, it seemed to me that all of a sudden it was like, yeah, I've really had a win now.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the part of the program where a a, per, a student going through the program gets their first major success. You'll never hear too many wins in like, I loved drug-free <laughs> withdrawal. <laughs> and I loved, you know. That was great. Yeah, it was great. And it was really enjoyable. Um, I'll be honest. Withdrawal is not an enjoyable process. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter where you do it, how you do it. It's not. It, it's the consequences of taking drugs. It's feeling like that. And, yep. you know, we get people through that. But the first set, the first major win they get is in sauna. Because so many things that they thought were impossible to get rid of as far as mental cravings, as far as not being able to sleep at night, you know, just that overwhelming sense of not feeling well goes away and things start to handle. And these are things that they probably dealt with for years and years and years and years.
1: And have been told they're always going to have that disease. They're always going to have that craving. They're always going to have that problem. It will never go away.
0: Right, and other, in other um, modalities of drug treatment call they call they call they call the symptoms that all these guys feel when they come in the door is something called post acute withdrawal syndrome.
1: Post acute withdrawal sy- symptoms
0: okay. syndrome syndrome. So basically, what that means is that because you, you have used drugs for so long and damaged your body that for the next six months to two years, you're going to feel lousy. You're going to have insomnia. You're going to have low energy. You're going to be depressed. You're going to feel miserable. You're going to have cravings and you're going to have all these different things. But don't worry, totally normal. And so, you know, yeah, okay. They put a a, like a, a disease name to the feeling of having taken drugs for a long time and a sense of not, well, be, not being well. Right. And so the sauna helps to get rid of that thing they call post-get withdrawal. So through sauna, they're eating, they're sleeping, their cravings go away, they start to feel physically amazing again. It's just like a really epic win for them.
1: I just noticed it, that that was quite the difference. And to me, the two things that have always been different about Narcanon. the first one is the detox, because there is no other program out there that does that. And it is based on L. Ron Hubbard determining that drugs and especially LSD lodged in the fatty cells because people who had been off of LSD for years and years and years could do physical exercise and start hallucinating with with, when the when the fat cells would start to break down. You know, why it's not more known in the scientific community is a mystery to me. I know there's lots of different programs for example, in New York City, there was a huge program for the firefighters that worked after 9-11 because everything in those buildings was pulverized to a particle smaller than dust, and they breathed it in for months and months and months. And then within a year, we're having all kinds of health issues. And there were quite a few of those rescue workers that were put through that program. You said it, I think. I don't know if you said it last week in the program or outside of the program. Narcanon is somewhat considered an alternative rehab Technology or an alternative rehab program? No, this is the rehab program, and I think we just need to keep establishing that because the others are alternative because they don't work, you know. And Narcanon, what did you tell me had like a seventy-five percent success rate?
0: Yeah, it's between seventy-three and seventy-five percent, depending on the center.
1: And, and that,
0: o- overall, it's a seventy-five yeah, percent. And
1: that's rate. amazing because there's no. And it's drug free, so even if another clinic might say, "Oh, well, our guys are good." Yeah, they're addicted to methadone. How successful is that? I'm, I'm not sure. You know, I quite get that as being successful. And the girl that was graduated last week, it's funny. She said the exact same thing you did. I went up to her afterwards, and she said, "Yeah," she said, "You know, I've done twelve step programs, and this is not to diss on twelve step programs. I know it works for some people, but she said, never worked for me. But this Hubbard technology." that's what worked for me
0: and it works for a lot of people who don't get the 12 step approach mm-hmm. see you know a lot of people automatically start going with elron hubbard scientology it's a religious based program and the we don't bring any religious practices into our program right. we use technology he de- he used and developed as far as getting people off drugs and handling The drug problem.
1: Right. And a great example would be the same girl we're talking about who is a devout Christian. Mm -hmm. That hasn't changed. She went into the program being a devout Christian. She is still a devout Christian. But the L. Ron Hubbard drug rehabilitation technology used at Narconon saved her life.
0: Absolutely. She
1: was dead two weeks before. Okay. So it saved her life. I, I just... It was so inspiring. Such a beautiful young woman. And now she has her whole life in front of her, you know, and she's... She's rocking and rolling. I mean, it was it was amazing to me. But 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 their religion has nothing to do with it.
0: You can't bring religion into drug rehab because once you bring religion into uh, a rehabilitation process, it's either like you buy into it or you don't. Right. When I was over in twelve step, I find that religious based personally because as it is. because as you're going through the twelve steps, is talking about you know giving your life over to God and doing all these things and give it to God and talk to God. And they, it's like constant bombardment of the God concept. Absolutely. And, you know, getting on your knees and praying and doing all these different things, which, you know, as you know, being raised Jewish were foreign to me. Mm-hmm. And so I would actually tell people, like, I don't get on my knees and pray to God. I don't, I don't do all the things that this program is trying to tell me this is how I'm going to get clean. I don't, I'm not a religious person. Right. I don't come from a religious family. You know, we are Jewish, but we're Jewish by twice a year, (laughs) You, you know. And so I didn't come from a religious background to where this idea of constant prayer and meditation and all this stuff, you know, was so foreign to me, I couldn't grasp onto it. And so coming to a program where literally no religion is brought into it, it makes it a lot easier for a person to go through and be successful with because you don't have to buy into any philosophies or, or, or any kind of religious practices that would be foreign to you. Right. And so, yeah, this girl that just graduated and when I like devout Catholic, like really devout Catholic. Right. I, I think she's Catholic.
1: Is she, I don't know, but I def- definitely devout Christian. Christian. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and, and still is. And, and, and to some degree, at this point, is going to be way a way better Christian than when she came in, when she was obviously addicted and probably violating most of the tenets of her religion. Absolutely. If anything, you come off the drugs, and you're going to be better, at whatever religion you came in with. Exactly. Do you know? Exactly. It was it was amazing.
0: I thought I, I, it was one of the best graduations we had had.
1: Oh my goodness! I haven't been to any others, but it was it was mind blowing. It was it was very very cool, and then. Secondly, and maybe you can talk a little bit about this. So the first thing that makes Narcanon different than any other program is the detox. Right. The second thing, I think, are the life improvement courses. Is Mm -hmm. that what you call them? Yeah. That happen, you know, after the person... Well, actually, before they do that, after they come off the detox, what is it they do next?
0: After they do the detox, they do a course called Objectives. Okay. And Objectives is broken up into two parts. Okay. The first part is uh, a communications course. So something that's vitally important for most addicts is learning how to communicate effectively and appropriately again. Right. Because they lost that some point along the way. They didn't practice it or maybe, unfortunately, were never taught how to communicate. And so... Uh, And
1: probably before they were on the drugs in the first place. And the drugs just made it
0: worse. Way worse. Yeah. Yeah. And so when they do the communications course, they learn, you know, how to confront another person, how to confront life in general. They learn how to, you know, handle other people. In communication and have other people handle them in communication, and they learn how to effectively communicate again overall and handle other people that surround them. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the first step. The second step are the actual objective exercises themselves, which are drills that they do with another person, another student on the program. And the basis of these drills is to get them out of all their past traumatic, negative life experiences that keep pulling them back into the past Mm -hmm. and not allowing them to live in the present moment. Okay. And it helps to put all these negative life experiences, all these traumatic events in the past and leave them in the past and learn how to stay in the present and move forward again and actually be able to enjoy life as it is now versus how bad it was in the past.
1: Wow. You know, you say it so simply and you say it so beautifully, but I can just imagine what that means to someone who's gone down the road of drug addiction because As I've heard many, many times, and you said it last week, you lie, you cheat, you steal. Everything that you know inherently is not ethical or not moral just from a human viewpoint, not any religion or anything else, you violated all of that. And so there there could be a tendency to just kind of be stuck in that and how can I ever atone or whatever. So getting somebody to the point where they're more operating from the present, looking at life from a present viewpoint... I think must be monumental.
0: Absolutely, and also, you know, when you when you're an addict, you go through some really horrible things. Yeah, and you get yourself in bad situations and bad. You know, you have friends die. Um, you get you know all sorts of things happen that when you're trying to get clean, you remember a lot of that, and it's 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 um it's upsetting to you mm-hmm. all the different things you remember from what you went through in your addiction and after you do sauna, your memory clears up a bit. And so some of these memories of the past really can come back and kind of hit you. And you, yeah. you can remember the time where you were robbed at gunpoint, or you can remember a time where you watched someone, you know, get the, you know, what beat out of them, right? Or you saw someone get hit by a train or something, you know, all these bad memories from the past will come up. And so the objectives help to pull you out of that mm-hmm. and keep that in the past and teach you kind of how to live your life, like you said, from like a present moment viewpoint. Right. And, ha- and what ends up happening is that the students get a different perspective mm-hmm. on life and wow. they start to think about life in a different way again. And they start to view things differently and their thought process slowly starts to change. The One of the biggest wins I, that I hear come out of objectives is that all their anxiety that they had, Starts to go away, Wow, because a lot of all the, the things that happen to them throughout their life cause them stress and cause them anxiety, and it can have things that have happened twenty years ago can still evoke a physiological response in a person right, and so I hear so many times about anxiety kind of going away in a person finally being able to like breathe again and feel like, okay, now I can like go forward with my life, like, all right, that's back in the past the addiction is done, let's now move forward, let's right. enjoy life again, and let's create something new for ourselves.
1: That's awesome. I mean, that's amazing. And so then what do they do after objectives? Then what
0: happens? So then after that, we're into the life, the life skills courses. Now, the life skills courses, I, I call them the meat and potatoes of the program, because this is the part where we actually get to the root causes of a person's addiction.
1: Which, if you don't, the tendency would be to get addicted again.
0: Right, because you still have the problems that, right. need that in your head or an addict's head need to get medicated away because they're too hard to handle right. or they don't have a, an ability to handle it. So there's there's three different courses that they do. And the way they do it is um, there's the, it's like a classroom-like setting where they go through the theory. We call it behind the course. They learn all what the course is going to teach. So like the first course teaches them about the different types of people that exist in the world and the different types of people that you can find yourself connected to and what to do. If you find yourself connected to certain people that are trying to bring you down, mean you harm, or that don't have your best interests in mind. And it has them examine all the people that they're connected to in life and figure out how to handle some of these people. Now,
1: that makes sense because an addict doesn't become an addict in a vacuum.
0: No, there's other people. Someone
1: introduced them to it.
0: There's other people in your life. Yes. On, you know, the, I think the fortunate slash unfortunate part is we are social creatures and we yes. surround ourselves with other people. And sometimes you can be surrounded by people that you think are there to help you and build you up and all this stuff. But at the same time, they're trying to tear you down and you just can't see it. So we have them do... So they learn this this material in like a classroom like setting, and then they do what we call the practical exercises, which is the actual doing. The counseling mm-hmm. is done one on one with a counselor. Okay, it sits down with them privately and helps them go through their lives and look at all the people that they're connected to and figure out where things may have gone off the rails. Okay, and then we actually handle that situation.
1: Okay, because while while they're while they're in Narcanon, I mean they. They still have communication with. Can their friends come and visit them? And their parents come and visit them?
0: Family and friends can come and visit, but it's up to the, the uh, it's up to the discretion of the family. Okay. So, like, you know,
1: like if I knew that so and so was your drug pusher, I might say that they, guy cannot come and visit my right. son. Okay,
0: exactly. So the family sets up who's allowed to come visit and who the act is allowed to speak to. Okay. Just so we can keep it. our idea is to keep everyone protected. Right. And so we're not going to just like let, let anyone come into the facility. That makes and sense. Let the, and let the addict call all their drug buddies back home as they're going through the program. Okay,
1: that makes sense. So <laughs> not not until they realize that those might those people might not have their best interests
0: in mind. Exactly, yeah. and, and and some of the, some of our students think that their lifelong best buddies are the people that they got high with. And yep. these people—they're just really good people. And they want the best for me. We just—we just can't stop using drugs, and it's like, okay, so we we help them examine all the people they're connected to, right? And if anything needs to get handled or dealt with, we help them do that. See, the thing is, the interesting thing about Narconon is we don't do anything for them. Right? We help them do it themselves, and we, you don't
1: tell them what to think either. either. Yeah,
0: we we let them figure it out. Yeah, through edu- through education and life skills, we. The, the students actually will originate themselves and figure things out on their own. We just kind of nudge them in right. the right direction to kind of get to the realization of like, oh, my God, this is why this was the way it was. Yeah. And so
1: you get them to look.
0: Exactly. Yep. exactly. And so um, the other two courses that are in the life skills portion the second course allows a person to finally put all their past transgressions to rest Okay, and teaches them ethics and morals and, you know, different things involving, you know, maintaining their own integrity and doing the right thing again and saying, yeah, you did a lot of terrible things in the past, but that doesn't need to be held against you for the rest of your life. And so there's a series of exercises that are done to help um, the student put all those past things to rest. Right, And so they can get off their chest, they can get out of their heads, hopefully to never do it again and move on. Yeah. And I then like it. and then the third course gives them practical um, practical means and methods of when of handling their life once they leave the program and it gives them step-by-step ways that if things are going well how to keep them going well and if things kind of slip out slip off a little bit how to build themselves back up again. Okay. And there's practical step-by-step ways to do that. And so we're teaching them the skills that they need to stay sober once they leave. I got which it. Is super, which is super important yep. because a lot of other programs don't offer that to you. Right. They don't offer you like, okay, this is the way you can help deal with life. These are different things to help you, throughout, you know, throughout your life so you can cope and you can deal with things and you can handle things appropriately and not need to go like pick up the needle, the straw, the spoon or the whatever to deal right. with it.
1: I remember you saying that last week that while, you know, while you were going through drug addiction a lot of your friends were learning life skills that you didn't get to learn and so part of the program is putting that back
0: right because unfortunately when you're in addiction you're not learning life by trial and error by falling (laughs) down picking yourself back up figuring out a different way until you're successful and doing all the different things that people that don't get addicted to drugs figure out on their own right and in um and narconon, there's this huge educational component that goes into, you know, our treatment process that teaches people those life skills that they either failed to learn or they knew once once upon a time and they went by the wayside as soon as drugs became part of their lives.
1: Interesting. Just because we're well into the podcast today, if anybody is out there listening and they need help, how do they reach you?
0: So they can reach me in a few different ways. First of all, you can look us up on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. You Just look up Narconon Suncoast. Okay. And it'll come up with our main page. You can also call us at our main number, which is 877-841-5509, or they can email me directly at jgood, that's J-G-O-O-D, at org.
1: Good. You know, the one, the one thing I'm hoping with this podcast is that we can reach not only addicts, but friends and families of addicts who maybe are at their wits end and don't know what to do anymore. It's it because there's hope, there is hope with this program. And I think that, I mean, you told it so well last week when you mentioned how, you know, finally, it was just determined you were a throwaway addict, which is to me, the most disgusting and deplorable thing that any human being could say to another human being, especially one who's coming for help, because they know they need help. You know, so there's hope um, with this program. And we're going to keep talking about it. We're going to keep talking about, you know, why people need it, why it's different, what some of the pitfalls are out there. And you know, I'm just hoping that somebody listens to it and, and gives you a call or goes to the website and contacts you because there's there's very few people in this country, at least, that have not been touched by drug addiction in one way or another. Um, I was talking to a woman who does a lot of podcasting, and she was talking to us about marketing our podcast. And I mentioned to her, I was going to do this podcast, this was before we started, and she said, oh, she said, I've been thinking about doing one because she said my 17-year-old daughter committed suicide by ODing right before Christmas. Wow! And Steve and I were like, wow, you know, we're so sorry to hear that that happened to you. But, you know, parents, if you're listening to this, if you need some advice on where to go and what to do, I mean, Narconon is the place. And the thing that I think is... Particularly good about Narcanon Suncoast. There are Narcanons all over the world, by the way. If you live in Africa or Europe, there are Narcanons. But you have such an understanding and an empathy, if you will, because you've been through it yourself. That you are good, I think, at, at talking.
0: Well, thank to these you. People when they come in, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yep. Yeah, I know. I have a passion for it. You know, having gone through it myself. Um. There's something to be said about someone going through addiction and, and coming out of it to help other people do the same.
1: Yep. And you said most of the staff there are former addicts, or former addicts who've come through the program.
0: Yeah, most of us went through the program. And so we have that certain level of empathy that a person that became a drug counselor through taking courses, reading textbooks, taking a state board exam, and now they're qualified to handle drug addiction. Not so much. Well, they have... The, if a person sit, sits across from them and says, "Hey, man, I'm really, really craving my drug of choice right now," that that counselor has no clue what that feels like, what that, what that, and there's no really, no real re- reality right on that whatsoever. And the thing is, is that we do at Narcon, we know what it's like to go through addiction, we know what it's like to be, you know, in those trenches, yeah, and dealing with that on a day to day basis, yeah, and so.
1: Well years and years ago I said I've been familiar with Narcanon for 40 years. When I was in Los Angeles, I knew Gary Smith. Oh yeah. And Gary's story just curled my hair. I mean, literally. Um I think he was a heroin addict when he was 14 or something and tried all different kinds of rehab programs. I think he actually did Narcanon twice. And now he he's the president of Narconon or the spokesperson for Narconon and Arrowhead.
0: Sh- Arrowhead. Yeah, yeah, he's at Narcanon Arrowhead. Right. Yeah.
1: But, you know, I just, it it just resonated with me, you know, Um, and he was personally the one doing all of the detox. And that was when the Narcanon program was not as well established as it is now and not as codified as it is now, if you will. But he was um, just anyway, he was the one who was doing the 24 hours, you know, be with the guy to get him off the drugs, which I thought was amazing. So what else? Are we done for today, do you think? We'll I think talk we can, again next week?
0: We'll talk again next week. <laughs> and um, I have some ideas of what I'd like to talk about. So let's uh, let's make it interesting. Let's keep people listening. Absolutely. Let's keep getting the word out.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, Jason.
0: Thank you, Johnny. You have been listening to Point of No Return, the addiction podcast, sponsored by Narconon Suncoast. Narcanon Suncoast is a residential rehab center that focuses not only on becoming drug free, but staying drug free by addressing the underlying causes of addiction. The Narcanon program is based on technology developed by L. Ron Hubbard. For more information on Narcanon Suncoast, go to www.narcanonsuncoast.org or call 877 841 5509. That number again is 877 877- Eight four one five five zero nine.